Greetings, ladies and mentalgents, and welcome to this narration of the web novel Humans Don't Make Good Familiars, taken from Reddit. If you're new to the series, there is a playlist listed down below. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 72 Jake's Point of View Maury, I said in an attempt to summon my sword. I was back home now that Suma had finished her talk with Dr. Maxwell, at least for today. Twilight, I tried again. I could feel something happening, but it was like I was pushing my spells through a wall of frozen pudding. I knew it could be done. I did it in the alley that time I got attacked, but I hadn't been able to recreate it since. Destiny, I repeated, starting to get frustrated. Performing any kind of summons without a life or death factor was practically impossible, and casting a real spell was almost as hard. So far... The most magic I'd been able to do on Earth was create a single drop of water and some sparkly glitter. Like a fairy sneezed, or something. Still, that's better than I could manage a few months ago. Mr. Vandal, the voice of my landlord called from outside my apartment. I walked over and opened up the door. Yes, I said. Mr. Vandal, your rent has come due, actually... It was due a long time ago. This is your final notice. You have until the end of the week to pay this month's rent. And last month's, or you will be evicted, she declared. What? How is that possible? I had my rent set on auto payment with my bank. This isn't right, I started confused. Well then, you may want to call your bank, because I haven't received payment in two months, she stated firmly. You have seven days, Mr. Vandal. She turned and walked away. Wait, can I pay with something other than my bank? I asked with an idea. She stopped. I don't do trades. Not a trade, just, uh, can I pay with cash or something? Just until I get my bank account sorted, I wondered. I could accept cash, but you would need to pay a notary public to have one-time alternate payment contract written up. Just in case whatever you pay with ends up being counterfeit, she explained. I have the contracts. You pay the notary. That's how it works. Deal. I have the money right now if you have the contracts, I said. I'll need to print them out. I have the notary on retainer. You can pay her when she arrives. With that, she left and I went back into my apartment. Specifically, I went to the safe I had hidden under my bed. Inside was a few legal documents, a copy of my birth certificate, and 27 gold coins I got from Suma's world. I put most of them into my bank, but kept just a few just in case. I looked up the value of gold per ounce, then weighed each coin. At 1,500 pounds per ounce and four ounces per coin, just a single coin would cover all my due rent, as well as the next four months. I then opened my phone and pulled my bank statements up. There did seem to be some kind of hold on a few of my last payments. My bank wasn't open 24 hours a day. So, I would just have to call tomorrow. I checked the total amount in my account, and it was just what I expected it to be. 120,000 pounds. Suma's point of view. My talk with Dr. Maxwell ended, but I couldn't clear my mind. I looked around at all the other recruits, most already asleep in their alcoves, and I decided I wanted to stretch my wings for a bit. I quietly left the sleeping roost and went outside. Flying at night was abnormal experience for me. Before this, I had only done it one one or two occasions, and definitely never over military training base. The cool air 
brushing down my wings while relaxing, and the full moons provided enough light to find my way. After a while, I noticed someone else flying too. I drew closer and saw that it was Larika's Bala, the Niyama with the black serpent familiar. Hello there, I said as I drifted beside him. Greetings, he said plainly. Did you come out to enjoy the cool air as well? I asked him. Yes, he responded flatly. So, is it as nice as you thought? I asked awkwardly. Honestly, now it was terrible at normal conversations. I am always too nervous. Madam Suma, please allow me to be clear. I do not dislike you. He ignored me from floundering and stated, Well, um, that's, uh, good. I, I don't dislike you either. But we are rivals. Both of us will be competing for the position that has opened up in the Wyvern Brigade. How did you... Listen, about being rivals, uh, I'm not even certain I'm going to accept the Major's offer, I tried to explain. Larry sighed. I can't say that I'm surprised. His voice was irritated, annoyed even. And why aren't you surprised? I questioned. Madam Suma, your sense of uh, reason is skewed. At least, if the company you keep is anything to go by. That's not fair. You don't even know, Jake. He is, he is a Viking, is he not? Dauric interrupted. No, I denied. No, he isn't, despite what the rumors may say. Please don't bother trying to lie to me, Madam Suma. I've been on old ruin sites. I know that he is. I know what he is. Things are more complicated than you realize, I said. Perhaps, but I can't imagine any situation is complicated enough to warrant having a Viking as a familiar. You may have well have a death dragon himself. What those monsters did, they should all be exterminated. Now that's not fair. You don't even know Jake. He's a good person. And strong, I tried to explain. Strong indeed. Tell me, how did someone like you manage to dominate the mind of a Viking? He asked. Someone like me? You mean how did a lowly commoner dominate a Viking? I accused. I don't care about your lineage, Madam Suma. I meant how did a fifth-level mage, who has never had a familiar before, manage to dominate such a creature? I think this conversation is done, I stated, folding my wings and dived down to turn back to the camp. I had my fill of the cold that night. End of chapter Greetings, ladies and mentalgents, and welcome to this narration of the web novel, Humans Don't Make Good Familiars, taken from Reddit. If you're new to the series, there is a playlist listed down below. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 73 Jake's Point of View I felt like I was trudging through mud. Probably because I actually was. I tripped on something and fell forwards, face planting the ground and getting covered in filth. I looked to my left and right. The others were having a tough time too. You might be thinking I'm talking about the Niema, but I'm not. I'm talking about the other familiars. We were all undergoing a test of sorts. Without our summoners, we were all given a single direction to reach the other end of the obstacle course and back. Our task was to find and retrieve a specific object. The purpose of the test was to rate our capabilities so our summoners could be better understand our limits. At least, that was what I was told by Suma. I wasn't actually present when everything was being explained. They thought that since I was intelligent, that I shouldn't be present during the explanation just in case I figured out a quick way around the problems. Suma, I said, after wiping some mud from my forehead, how much further does this mud pit go on? We were talking on our private connection since we were so far apart. Not much longer, Jake. You're nearly at the end, she said. 
Sumo was flying over the course, giving me directions. Do you see that tree? The one with the red leaves? Yes, I said, approaching it. Okay, good. Make sure you don't go near it. I stopped. Why? That looks like a dragon's blood tree. They're dangerous, but it's difficult to tell from up here. I went around the tree carefully. Good thing, too, because another familiar, a borag, charged straight through it, his low-hanging vines and, uh, well, I'll leave out the gory details, but suffice to say, the aftermath was gruesome. I soon came upon a set of three long, narrow hallways that led underground. Suma, any idea which way I should go? I'm sorry, Jake. I can't tell you which of the paths is connected to which accent. Okay. If I'm right-handed, so I'll go right. I'm ducked down to avoid some low-hanging roots from the small tree growing above the entrance of the underground hallway. The corridor itself was dark, damp, smelled of mold, and only got worse the deeper I went. The single saving grace was that it looked built and not natural, so I was fairly certain that I wasn't going to end up in another situation like the cave in Dragon's Horde. Suma, I'm telling you right now, if at any point I have to crawl on my belly to fit through a narrow tunnel, I'm quitting the stupid training. I joked, half joked. I created a ball of fire for light, something I was getting much better at, and tossed a separate fireball down the tunnel to see what was ahead. As the blue flames illuminated the path, I saw a collapsed area of walls and ceiling. The roots had grown through the tunnel and hung from the top. And something very surprising. I saw concrete. It was the first time since arriving in Suma's world that those years ago I had seen stonework that wasn't simply the molding or manipulation of existing rock. Suma, what is this place? What do you mean, Jake? she asked. Were these training grounds built on something? I wondered as I approached the concrete. Getting closer, I could see that it was the remains of a wall. It stood out as unnatural compared to the interwoven vines and dirt that made up the rest of the hallway. I don't know why. She wondered, sounding confused. I picked up a bit of concrete and flipped it over and noticed some black markings on the side. The bottom, or rather, I suppose the top of the decayed wall had runes on it, the runes themselves were in varying states of ruin as well. Most of them were completely smeared off or cracked completely in half from the splitting of the concrete itself. I found runes down here. And concrete too, I told her. Runes? She said, surprised. And what runes be doing down there? Well, your people use runes a lot, right? Maybe this was a battleground at one point. Really, the concrete being here is more surprising to me. I said and put a few of the broken bits of ruin cover rocked into my backpack. I figured that I could show Suma later, and maybe she would know more than she actually sought. Or she could ask someone who knew. I left the hallway a few minutes later and was relieved to be out in the sun again. Well, actually it was overcast, but it was still better than being in the cave again. I see you now, Jake. You came out in the middle exit. You're not far now, she said. Turn left and walk forwards to the stream. When you reach it, follow it until I tell you to stop. I followed her instructions and eventually came to a little creek flowing downhill. However, for some reason the water was dull green. Great, you are at the stream. Now, just keep walking. Don't cross it until I say okay, she told me. Why not? I wondered. It's not safe to cross it yet. If you were to fall in, then it could be deadly, she explained seriously. Um... 
How deadly? Like, how does it kill you? I wondered, looking at the water. Jake, please don't try and cross it, Sumer said urgently. I wasn't going to. I was just curious, I clarified. Then began walking downstream, like she instructed. I don't know all the details, but I've heard rumors of Niamma who just landed on that water to rest, dying horrible deaths in just a few hours. I guess that explains why I don't see any fish in the water, I noticed. Not anymore, no, though I'm told there used to be. Wait, so that doesn't mean the water wasn't always deadly? Yes, in fact, I think the only started a few years before I was hatched. As I was walking, I opened my bag and started scrounging around for some kind of empty resealable container. I wanted to take a sample of the water back to Earth with me and see if I could figure out what it was. But I didn't have anything usable. Just as I slung my backpack over my shoulder, I saw what looked like some kind of dam made of sand, stone, mud, and broken tree branches, and other assorted things that may have fallen into the stream. On one side, the water flowing into the dam was green, but on the other side, it looked almost normal again. Okay, Jake, you can cross along that water stop. Zuma's point of view. I watched Jake carefully walk across the water stop. To me, it seemed quite large, but when compared to Jake, it seemed almost silly to describe it in such a way. In reality, Jake probably could have jumped across the length of the river, but it seemed too dangerous. So I led him to the nearest safe place that I could see from my perch on the guiding tower. The guiding towers were the place all the masters were supposed to perch while guiding their familiars. There were three currently set up around the training ground. We were instructed that while we could give commands to the familiars while in the air, if we were to land anywhere other than the guiding tower, we would be failed automatically. Okay, Simmer, which way now? Jake asked after he crossed the stream. I refocused my attention to him and began looking for a safe path from where he was to the end of the course. Do you see that large rock next to the trees with the blue leaves? I asked. Yes, go there, then wait. I need to readjust to a better tower. I took flight and went to the nearest tower opposite to where Jake was. I needed a clearer view of his location and what he was walking into. After a moment, I was perched on a new tower and guiding Jake again. While Jake walked, the instructor for the exercise landed on the perch beside mine. Cadet Suba, how is it coming? It's going well, ma'am. Sentinel has avoided Delavia River and made it through the other obstacles, I told her. Good. Where is he now? He is on his way to the clearing near the seventh obstacle, I told her. He is making excellent progress, then. I'll leave you to it, she said, just as she was about to fly away. I thought about what Jake said. Ma'am, before you go, I have a question. Was this training ground built on the ruins of some kind? Actually... Yes, she confirmed. It was once the site of a city, before the ravaging anyway. How did you hear about that? Sentinel told me, ma'am. He said he found something in the tunnels that went under the poison forests. I explained. What kind of something? Runes and something called the concrete? End of chapter. Greetings, ladies and metalgents, and welcome to this narration of the web novel Humans Don't Make Good Familiars, taken from Reddit. If you're new to the series, there is a playlist listed down below. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Katsuma, how is it coming? It's going well, ma'am. Sentinel has avoided Delavi River and made it through all the other obstacles, I told her. Good. Now where is he? 
He's on his way to the clearing next to the seventh obstacle, I told her. He is making excellent progress then. I'll leave you to it, she said. Just as she was about to fly away, I thought about what Jake said. Ma'am, before you go, I have a question. Was this training ground built in some ruins of some kind? Actually, yes, she confirmed. It was once the site of a city, before the ravaging anyway. How did you hear about that? Sentinel told me, ma'am. He said that he found something in the tunnels that went under the poison forests, I explained. What kind of something? Runes, and something called concrete. Did he know what kind of runes? She asked. I don't think so. He has no training with runes, beyond the simple activating them. I see. Make sure he leaves them be. I will inform the Major of his discovery. With that, she flew off. I then contacted Jake and told him to make a mental note where the runes he found were. Suma, I'm at the clearing, Jake said. Good. Now for the seventh obstacle. Oh, joy, he complained sarcastically. So what do I have to do this time? So far I've climbed trees, avoided several sets of deadly plants, drudged through knee-deep mud, and navigated mysterious runes. What fun! And or death-defying task awaits me now. Do you see that large hole to your left? I asked. He looked around for a moment and then walked over to it. Okay, found it good. Now all you have to do is climb down and then back up. Yeah, was that it? Yes, but it is rather steep hole, I said. I mean, I guess it's a little deep, but no more than twice my height. Is this really all I have to do? He wondered suspiciously. Yes, that's really it for this one. But don't worry, Jake, I said, and turned my gaze to the eighth obstacle. I think this one's just a warm-up. Jake's point of view. I sat on the edge of the pit and carefully slid down as far as I could before letting myself fall into it. I landed with a bit of a thud, but no worse than I would jump over halfway down the stairs to the bottom as a child. Easy, I said to myself. I looked up at the wall surrounding me and had a momentary flashback to the entrance of that cave. For just a second, I felt like I was back there again. But I shook myself out of it and started climbing my way out of the pit. I started by sending Jerrica, my armor, away so I could be lighter. Getting into the pit was far easier than getting back out. I hadn't noticed from the outside, but the walls were smoother than I'd first realized which made finding holds for my hands and feet harder. Jake, I can't see you from my position. How are you doing? Sue asked. In better, I strained to say as I reached desperately for the next hold, but it was too far. Then I had an idea. Twilight! I summoned my hammer. It appeared in my hand and nearly caused me to lose my grip on the wall. The sudden change made me drop twilight, and it fell with a clang to the rocks below. I sighed and resummoned it back to my hand, being careful not to drop it this time. Twilight was too heavy to maneuver with only a single arm, so I wouldn't be using my arm. I focused on what I'd learned from Seal and wrapped my manner around twilight, floating it upwards above my head. I was careful to avoid the areas where ruins on them and Selakar had created. I didn't want them activating. Not yet, anyway. I positioned Twilight so that it was far upwards as it could go, but while staying within reach. Then I activated one of the runes by wrapping my mana around that area. 
a huge burst of air exploded from the back of the twilight and forced it into the side of the rocky wall. Bits of the stone had landed on my shoulders, but I'd hardly noticed. Jake, what was that noise? Zuma cried, out concerned. That was the sound of a handhold being made, I told her. I looked up and saw a strange sight. The cone spike of my hammer had been thrust in its entire length into the rock. The rock wall itself had a brand new crack running several feet out from the cone's entrance. Are you okay? Sue asked. I'm fine, I said, and pulled myself up to Twilight's handle. From there, the rest of the climb was almost easy. Once I was out of the pit, I resummoned Twilight and inspected it for damage. It seemed fine, so I sent it away and summoned Jericho back. So, um, was climbing out as easy as you assumed it would be, Simmer wondered. Absolutely, my lied. Good, because the eighth obstacle won't be as easy. Lauric is Bala's point of view. Okay, loyalty, just a bit farther now. Stop when you arrive at the tree line, I told my black serpent familiar. I was one of many Niamh going through the exercise with their familiars today. We were on the fourth obstacle. A mud flat created with nature magic. Loyalty was handling it well, but the mud was still slowing him down. His best environment is tall grasslands and rocky hills, though. Places he can easily hide and attack. Loyalty arrived at the tree line, and I repositioned myself to another tower. To my disdain, it was the tower that Madame Suma was perched on. She didn't seem to take notice of me, as I landed on the perch on the opposite side of the tower. Loyalty was at a poison forest, a deadly place for most creatures, especially Niamh, but not to loyalty. He slithered easily through the obstacle and on to the next Delabi River. This obstacle would be too much for him to cross like he did the forest, though, so he needed to be led to the nearest safe area, the natural passageway that made the poison waters a bit safer. Upon his arrival, I realized it would be difficult for his large frame to cross such a narrow path, so I made him go slowly. Despite the water on the other side of the river being safer, he still wouldn't be able to cross through it due to him not being able to swim. Suddenly, I heard a loud sound like thunder rumble from one of the other obstacles. Jake, what was that noise? Lady Suma shouted. Her familiar was probably doing something reckless again. I ignored her and went back to Loyalty, who had just managed to cross the river and was on his way to the sixth obstacle, and the ground maze of sorts. End of chapter. Greetings, ladies and mandelgens, and welcome to this narration of the web novel Humans Don't Make Good Familiars, taken from Reddit. If you are new to this series, there is a playlist listed down below. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 75 Lara Isbala's point of view. Suddenly, I heard a loud sound like thunder rumble from one of the obstacles. Jake, what was that noise? Lady Suma shouted. Her familiar was probably doing something reckless again. I ignored her and went back to loyalty, who had just managed to cross the river and was on his way to the sixth obstacle, an underground maze of sorts. Loyalty, go through the middle route, I ordered him, then began the far sight ritual. It was a spell that masters could perform on their familiars who had already undergone the rite of dominance to see through their eyes. Our minds become one. Our thoughts become the same. I see what you see. I know what you know. I cast the spell and began to see through loyalty's eyes. 
Suddenly, I was slithering my way through the tunnel. Vines that were hanging from the dirt ceiling quickly zoomed past. Carefully, I guided him as he turned corners and went up inclines, doing my best to keep him in a straight path. At one point, I thought I saw something carved into the walls, but his vision in darkness is less than perfect. Eventually, I helped him make his way out, and he was on the next obstacle. Jake's point of view. Well, I would definitely call this an obstacle, I said looking at the cliffside. I stood at the bottom of the rocky and jagged cliff about fifty feet high. Or maybe an impossible task, I mumbled. Okay, Jake, just do what you did when you got out of that pit. It's just the same, Suma said over the connection. Are you crazy? I nearly spat. This is nothing like the pit. If I fell off that side of the wall there down there, all I had to worry about is a bruised butt and ego. If I fall from here, I'm gonna die. Well, maybe you could go slowly, she suggested. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna help. I said and knocked two fingers on the rocky face of the cliff. Don't worry, Jake. This is the last major obstacle. Once you finish this, she started to say. But I cut her off. Suma, it doesn't matter if this is the final obstacle or a key to curing cancer. I can't climb this. Hold on. I was halfway through complaining when I realized something. Suma, the point of this obstacle is to get to the top of the cliff, right? Yes, Jake. Why do you ask? The rules don't specifically say I need to climb the cliff. Um, no, not to my knowledge, she answered. Good, because that's not happening. But I might have an idea on another way up, I told her. What, like a spell, perhaps? She wondered. Yes, now, Suma, I can use nature magic, right? Even though I have inversion magic, I clarified. Of course, Jake, you know that, she answered. And then asked, concerned, why? If I can go to the top of the mountain, I'll bring the top of the mountain to me, I suggested. In a very confused and slightly worried tone, she asked, What? Suma's point of view. I watched from my perch on the observation tower as Jake used nature spell after nature spell to move incredible amounts of dirt and rock from the side of the cliff, then climb to the top of the pile and start again. Slowly, he was making his way to the top, leaving a path of destroyed rubble in his wake. He would raise his hands above his head, then clench his fists and throw them down to his sides, and the rocks would break apart and fall beside him, ready to be climbed. Are you doing okay, Jake? I asked in a mixture of amazement and horrified. I'm fine, he answered, grunting with each motion. Are you sure? I asked him. Yes, yeah, um, I just haven't had to cast this many spells in a row before. It's uh, more mentally tiring than I assumed it would be, he explained. I can't tell from here. How far along am I? You're about a quarter of the way done. Maybe a third, I said, and he climbed up his most recent pile of debris. He was panting as he spoke. It felt like more than that. Jake, your mana can't be running out already, can it? I asked, concerned. No, don't think so, he said, and I saw him sit down on the pile of rubble, but repeatedly climbing up all of those rocks sure is taking the wind out of me. Especially after everything else I've done today. They then pulled out something from his garment that keeps on his back and placed it to his mouth. I could see it clearly from where I was, but it looked like he was either eating or drinking. I need to take a break for a second, he said. Okay, just let me know when you're ready to continue. I'm going to fly to the next obstacle and try to get a better look. How many more do I have left, he wondered. Only one, I believe. But that I took to the skies. End of chapter. Chapter 76. 
Jake's point of view. Panting and weak, I climbed up to the last of the cliffside. Finally, having reached the top after 30 minutes of repeatedly causing rock slides with magic, then climbing up the debris. I pulled myself up to the top and laid on my back. That was terrible, I complained to myself, only to hear Simmer's voice in my head again. Okay, Jake, I think I know the best way for you to conquer the next obstacle, she said proudly. I didn't bother answering her at first. I was too tight. Jake, can you hear me? She asked, confused. Yes, Suma, I can hear you. I just need a minute. Okay, but you may not want to take too long. While I was flying, I saw a giant black serpent coming your way. If I hadn't been so tight, I probably would have laughed. Very funny, Suma, I said dryly. I thought it was a good joke, but my body didn't care at that moment. I'm not being funny, Jake. There really is a black serpent familiar heading your way. That caught my attention. Wait, what? I think it belongs to that noble, Larrick. Huh, that will be interesting to see, I said. During this entire conversation, I hadn't yet been able to bring myself to stand or even sit up. Jake, if the familiar behind you reaches the end first, then you'll have to do the entire course again tomorrow, she shouted. That got my attention and woke me up. I bolted to my feet and started heading towards the next obstacle as fast as I could manage. While running, I activated one of my runes on my armor. It was a body magic rune, which was supposed to increase the user's stamina. I hadn't had a chance to use them yet, so I gave them a shot. I summoned the prepared Dalgar of mana and activated the rune. Obviously, I couldn't do it without the Dalgar, or the rune would have done who knows what. As soon as I activated, I felt like I could run all day if needed to. I was at the next obstacle in minutes. Okay, Jake, I think the best way to beat this one is to go around it she said. I don't know, I said, staring out across the lake. It's pretty wide, so do I just have to get to the other side of the lake? The shore of the lake was almost three kilometers in each direction, but only a hundred meters across. I stuck a hand into the water, and it was fairly warm, actually. Yes, essentially, at the other end of the lake is a small island. On the island is the prize of the course. Once you have retrieved the prize, you return back to the start via whatever path you choose, Sumer explained. So this test will be easy for familiars that could swim or fly, but not walk. Exactly, Sumer confirmed. I sent away Jericho and stripped off to my underclothes. Thankfully, the effects of the ruin didn't dissipate, or what I was about to do would have been suicide. Jake, why are you removing your garments? Because, I said, wading into the lake, I'm going to swim across. There was a moment of silence from Suma. You can swim? How? You weigh more than 50 Niyama put together. Yeah, but uh, I'm mostly made of water. And I used to swim in lakes all the time as a child. Uh, so I, I'm a pretty strong swimmer, I explained, as I began to breaststroke. Suma's point of view. Jake called it swimming, but at first I thought I needed to summon him to safety to prevent him from drowning. He flailed about like he needed help. But no matter what... He didn't stop moving forward. I wasn't worried about any creatures in the water, since the lake was not natural, but was constructed for the course. Jake, if you use magic, you might be able to go faster, I suggested. Yeah, but I would have to stop swimming to cast a spell. I can't do both at the same time, I said. But if you just used a body enhancement spell, that way you could move faster after you resumed swimming. I don't know, he said. Can you explain it? I could try. I took a moment to remember the steps of the spell. 
I had used it a few times before, like when I was running away from those three nobles that day. First, you need to wrap mana around your body. Then you imagine that the mana entering you and radiating through your every muscle and bone. After that, you need to imagine the mana being absorbed by your body and empowering you. Jake began to slow down his swimming and then came to a stop. Okay, I'll try, he said. I could see him from my perch and watched as he was surrounded by a dark blue cloud of his mana. Then it rushed into him, disappearing from view. Oh, wow, he exclaimed. He started swimming again, much faster than before. Twice as fast, maybe even three times. I couldn't help but be slightly jealous. It took me a month to learn that spell properly, and he did it in a mere moment. This is amazing, he yelled out excitedly. You're going much faster now than before, Jake, I said. I was about to congratulate him for learning the spell so quickly, but the slithering black mass on the shoreline caught my eye. End of story. Greetings, ladies and medalgents, and welcome to this narration of the web novel Humans Don't Make Good Familiars, taken from Reddit. If you are new to the series, there is a playlist listed down below. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Sumer's Point of View Okay, I'll try, he said. I could see him from my perch and watched as he was surrounded by a dark blue cloud of his manor. Then it rushed into him, disappearing from view. Oh, wow, he exclaimed and started swimming again, much faster than before, twice as fast, maybe even three times. I couldn't help but be slightly jealous. It took me a month to learn that spell properly, and he did it in a mere moment. This is amazing, he yelled out excitedly. You're going much faster now than before, Jake, I said. I was about to congratulate him for learning the spell so quickly, but a slithering black mass on the shoreline caught my eye. Jake, the black serpent is at the shoreline. No, heck no, Jake yelled frantic. Don't worry, that type of familiar can't swim, so it'll have to go around the lake. But you'll need to hurry. It is a rather swift creature. I explained and watched it quickly make its way around the shore. How long do I have? Jake asked. I turned back to him. He seemed to be swimming faster than before. Not long. Don't slow down, I told him seriously. Jake was halfway to the island and was closing in rapidly. But the serpent, despite having only just arrived, was already over a quarter or a fifth of the way around the lake. Jake's point of view. I swam as fast as I could. It felt like some points I was only skimming along the water's surface, but it wasn't fast enough. Jake, the familiar is already halfway there, Super yelled. I was grateful to her private connection at this moment. The ability to ask her questions and get updates without having to actually speak was useful. When I was focused on swimming, I felt my hands at the sand and I knew I was on the island. Suma, I'm on the island, I announced and cast a spell that forced all of the water away from me so that I could run along the sand. I dropped to the ground and bolted for the prize. It was some kind of golden shaft and there were several of them in a circle. Well, almost a circle. Some of the prizes had already been claimed by the familiars that went before me. I picked on, on, and called out to Suma. Suma, I have the prize. Great, head towards the exit as fast as you can. I will, but you need to do the same, I said. But, why? Just go, I'll explain as you fly. I said and started running towards the exit. 
thanking my lucky stars that the physical enhancement spell Suma taught me was still active, or else I would have dropped from exhaustion by now. Just as I was about to turn to leave the beach and head for the exit, the black serpent slithered up behind me. Narek is Bala's point of view. Loyalty was making excellent time in the trial, perhaps even fast enough to beat the previous record, but that wasn't my goal. I reached out to him and thought of the right of dominance spell and tried to gauge how tired he was. He seemed to be fine, but I wouldn't be able to push him much further without putting him in danger. I looked through his eyes again to see where he was and what his situation was like, and saw something quite interesting. The Viking familiar swimming across the water. Strange, I would not have guessed that he would have been able to swim, I said to myself. I realized that if loyalty had caught up with him, then that would mean that he would have to go much faster or risk failing the trial. He would most certainly like to push himself harder than normal, to his very limits even. What are your limits, Viking? I wondered aloud. Within moments of this, the Viking cast a spell to disperse the water in front of him and ran to the prize. Loyalty was close, so I ordered him to slow down a bit and save his strength. But even if he did that, he would still arrive at the prizes shortly. Loyalty's hearing isn't great, but his sight is amazing. And with it, he saw that the Viking was talking to someone, probably his master. Soon, Loyalty arrived at the prizes and came face to face with the one called Sentinel. Ah, crap, the Viking said. You're pretty big, huh? I couldn't communicate with the Viking, not through loyalty at least, so I had no way to answer back. Not that I would know what to say in such a statement anyway. Was he trying to talk to me? No. He was talking to my familiar. Sindel began to back up and slowly make his way around loyalty, never once taking his eyes off of him. It seemed he was afraid of loyalty. Suma, as soon as you arrive at the exit, summon me. He was talking to his master, planning to get to the exit quickly so as to not fail the trial. Then, uh, don't land. Just get close to the ground before summoning me. How far will you push yourself if properly motivated? I wondered and came up with a plan of my own. Suma's point of view. Suma, I have the prize, Jake called out to me. Great, head towards the exit as fast as you can, I told him, still watching the serpent familiar. He was almost at the prizes as well, and would be arriving shortly, despite the fact that it had slowed down. I will, but you need to do the same, Jake said. But why? Just go, I'll explain as you fly. I trusted Jake, and started flying towards the exit area Jake needed to be at. But just as I did, I looked back at him. The serpent arrived at the area with the prizes. The area where Jake currently was. Nothing happened yet. But I was still nervous. I knew in my head that it wouldn't hurt him. It was against the rules for familiars to fight while stationed at a training camp. But that was a little reassurance to me at the moment. I knew Lauric disliked, even hated Jake. So I feared what might happen. Suma, as soon as you arrive at the exit, summon me, Jake said, sounding quite uneasy. Halfway there, Jake, but I can't land, remember? If I do, then we fail the trail, I told him. Then don't land, just get close to the ground before summoning me, he said. Don't know if I can, but I'll try, I said uncertain. I flew as fast as I could, even using enhancing magic to increase my speed. End of story.
Chapter 78 Suma's Point of View Halfway there, Jake. But I can't land, remember? If I do, then we fail the trial, I told him. Then don't land, just get close to the ground before summoning me, he said. I don't know if I can, but I'll try, I said uncertain. I flew as fast as I could, even using enhancing magic to increase my speed. The moment the gate entered my sight, I started diving towards it and getting as close to the ground as I could without losing speed. But that was made a bit difficult. The trees were too dense to fly quickly through, and I couldn't touch anything without being disqualified. Jake, there are too many trees to fly close to the ground, but if I get any higher, you might get hurt when you fall. I think I have an idea for that. Just summon me near the gate if you can, he shouted. And the sooner the better. I think the snake familiar is chasing me. I turned and examined the area where Jake was running from and saw that he was right. The familiar was chasing after him, but quite slowly. Jake seemed to be running as fast as he could, but it was still nowhere near as fast as the serpent could go. I do see him behind you, Jake, but it's moving slowly for some reason, I said. I find that hard to believe, considering I haven't been able to lose it yet, Jake countered. He was starting to sound tired. His enhancement must have been fading. Jake, that creature is much faster than you. If it hasn't passed you yet, uh... Jake, I think that it might be chasing you, I yelled. I didn't know what to think. What was Larix familiar doing? Did he lose control over it? No. If he had, the beast would already be on a rampage. Not slowly stalking Jake. Larik is still in control, which means he ordered his familiar to do this. I figured that Marcher already. He hasn't attacked yet, but that could change. Are you at the gate yet? Jake shouted. Yes, I said as I arrived. Summoning you now. I looked below me and saw the tree full of branches. I hope you have your armor on, Jake, I said to myself, and then began the summoning spell. I summon you, Sentinel. Jake appeared before me slowly, hanging weightless in the air. That is until the summon was complete. Then he fell, hard. He seemed to hit every single branch during his fall through the tree and hit the ground with a meaty thud and a groan. Are you okay? Without a work, Jake summoned a small dull jar of mana and placed the end of it to the runes in his armor. His armor began to glow a soft green and was wrapped in magic circles. The effect of his healing runes had started. That hurt so much! Jake complained, and slowly stood up. Are you sure that you are okay? I asked, looking him over while maintaining flight. I think so. Which way is the gate? He asked. Follow me, I told him, and headed towards the gate. We bought you some time, but the serpent is fast. Jake was worn out from the healing runes, but he was still had some of his enhancement left, so he was moving about around normal speed. That being said, it was still incredibly slow. Zuma! Jake said, breathless. Could you wrap me in mana and carry me? I think I'm about to collapse. I'm sorry, Jake, but the rules strictly forbid that. I don't think I could anyway. You're quite heavy. He sighed and kept going. Eventually, we made it to the gate, and Jake collapsed as soon as he crossed it. Finally, he said, relieved and lying motionless on the ground. Good job, recruits, a voice said from behind us. Jake didn't even bother lifting his head. I turned and saw that it was the instructor for the training. If your familiar needs medical attention, then tend to him and unsummon him. Then report to your evaluation with the rest of the recruits who participated today. They are waiting at Field 1 for everyone to join them before they get started. 
I thanked the instructor and went to Jake's side. Are you okay? Jake didn't answer. Jake? I asked again. Still, he didn't answer. I was worried for a moment before I realized he was asleep. I silently cast another spell of healing on him and just to be safe, then sent him home and flew to the meeting area that instructor had mentioned. Once I arrived, I took a moment to look around at the other Niema who participated today. Among them was the nameless Niema who had a lightning familiar, a named Niema named Toman, and Vindicta as well. Suma, I'm glad you passed, she announced, seeing me. How did Jake do? I flew over beside her and grew on a perch to rest on. I think he did okay. He was exceptional at most of the obstacles and had innovative solutions for ones that he was struggling with. However, he is still quite a bit slower than most familiars, I explained. Behind me, the sounds of a flapping and shifting vines let me know that another participant had arrived. It was Lauric Isbala. End of chapter. The algorithm reckons you should be watching this video next, and I recommend that you should be always watching my video. So, click and click with energy! And yes, clicking that does help the channel. Thank you very much. I'd just like to give a quick thanks to the T5 channel members and patrons. Alithia, Parky, Fudicure, Meridian117, Cam Maxwell, Casper Arnholtz, Angry Marine, Lord Azrakal, and White Van 420